Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. You may have noticed tonight there's an elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is a phrase. It's just a metaphor. Nobody's too young or too old. It's a metaphor describing an enormous topic or an issue. Everybody knows about, but nobody likes to talk about. We can refer to an obvious or a difficult problem that we would like to work around or we would like to avoid. Tonight, we're going to start looking at something that the Bible wants us to to take a look at. It has, has a lot to say about something we all need to talk about. And the church must talk about, but not many people like to. We're going to talk about money. And not the American dream, the kingdom one. Not what America wants to do to your finances, what the kingdom can do for your finances. Praise God. Turning your attention to Proverbs chapter 13. Pastor Lopez and I were discussing this in the office. He said, what do you think? Do we put him out there before or after? I said, I don't know. Can we worship with an elephant? As long as no one worships to the elephant. But I'm going to tell you the problem is we're, we're living in a world consumed with worshiping this elephant. Can you love God and mammon? I want us, I'm going to say something at the very beginning of this. It's the intention of God that we be blessed. That you be blessed, that your finances be blessed whether you're just getting your first job at 15. Now, if you're 25 and still haven't got your same job, your first job, I'm coming after you. How many think 15-year-olds can still cut grass? Amen. I want my kids to listen. Praise God. Proverbs 13, verse 7. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. I would read it also in the NIV tonight that you might hear and understand a little differently. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. 
another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. And I would tell you this, we shouldn't be pretending either way. We should be real. If you got to pretend to be rich, it's not a heart after the things of God. And if you have to pretend to be poor, that's not humility, it's false humility. God's going to help us. We're going to talk about the elephant in the room. We're going to deal with a topic tonight that has as much in this Bible as any other topic that you ever hear, if not more. But I want us to pray that our hearts and minds. Somebody said, okay, it's Sunday night. Sunday night's supposed to be when we throw down. When we just go wild, we're going to go wild teaching. I wanted the young people in here. I wanted the young adults in here. I wanted our Sunday school teachers in here. I want everybody in here. Why? Because I don't want anybody to miss this blessing. I don't want anybody to miss this blessing. Because there are people that over the next four weeks will get set on a trajectory that will become the absolute turning point for the rest of your life. For the rest of your, turn to your neighbor and tell them for the rest of your life. College students, guess what? I'm going to talk to you during this series. Yes, I am. Young married couples, buckle up. Elders, even you. Some of us have got it by now. Some of you are here, and all you're going to do is say amen. All you're going to do is say, yep, when I learned that, it changed my life. But we're going to teach these principles because they're biblical principles. Spent a lot of time talking to a great friend of mine who has worked through this series over in Illinois, and, and uh, we've laughed and we've talked through this. And he was able to talk to me. He said after they went through a financial series, he said, you know, no one wants to talk about money, but everyone needs to. He said, we went through a series about revival. It put our church in an absolute state of revival when we talk about money as a church. <laughs> I said, we're already in revival, so we might as well talk about money and see what the Lord will do. How many know it's his anyway? Come on, every good gift, every perfect gift cometh down. From the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Would you lift your hands and lift your voice? I want everybody to pray right now. God of infinite blessing, I pray that you would help me. Help me to teach and preach with wisdom and clarity. I pray that you would help me, O oh Lord, to relay your word. Let me do it with gladness in my heart and let it be received with gladness. Help me, O oh Lord, I pray it, and help us to receive it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you thanks and praise. And let everyone say amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. It is no secret that individuals, families, marriages are under attack and under great stress today. Somebody say amen if you know that's true. There is great stress in the home today. And you are not exempted from stress just because you are spiritual. If it can, stress will find you and stress will try to cling to you. Amen? Yes, it will. There are certain things that we cannot do anything about. It's what I preached this morning. There are some things 
that we simply need a divine word from the Lord Jesus Christ, whether that be healing, whether that be deliverance of another fashion, we need that. But there is some stress that everyone carries, whether single or married, that we can be a part of fixing. Psychologists and family and marriage counselors concur that indebtedness is one of the primary stressors on the American home today. It sets among the leading cause of divorce. This all too common model of living beyond our means, which leads to excessive consumer and credit card debt has left far too many households and far too many marriages reeling with fear and uncertainty. How many know that's not the will of God for his people? It's not the will of God for his people. Too many Americans that are supposed to be disciples of Jesus Christ are like the guy in the video that you're about to watch. I want you to turn your attention to the screens and watch this guy. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. And how do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. I'm Stanley Johnson. <laughs> There's a verse for this. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. I've met people that live in houses so nice they have no furniture to furnish them with. The sad parallel to that is I have met people who look very Christian but find out they are as hollow on the inside. I don't want to look Christ-like. I want to be Christ-like. Many in this world today, and unfortunately even many in the church, have lots of stuff, but everything they have is financed. Cars they drive, the bank owns them. If you work for a bank, I'm not after you tonight. I want you to be blessed. The vacations they take, people don't actually pay for. They let the bank pay for them. Then they'll spend the next two or three years trying to pay for them. Homes, clothes, owned by Fifth Third, Bank of America, Chase. Most of us actually own a lot more than it appears while having a father who owns it all. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's not God's will. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him why is he taking a Sunday night talking about money. I'm glad you asked. Here's why. Because Proverbs 22 verse 7 says the borrower is slave to the lender. And the only person I'm supposed to be a servant of is God. I'm glad to preach tonight that there is an elephant in the room and that elephant tonight that we're going to talk about is debt. I bet pastor's going to ask us for money tonight. No, I'm not. I'm not going to ask you for money, but I'm going to ask you to get serious and even get odd or weird by America's standards about getting out of debt. 
about changing our ways because we care less what our neighbors think and more what the king thinks about how we spend our money. Less about what the people that you go to school with or you go to college with or you sit by a, in a cubicle. Less concerned about what they think about your car and more concerned about what God thinks about the way we spend our finances. Somebody say amen. I'm going to challenge somebody to actually get frustrated, maybe even mad about suffocating debt that you've been forced to believe, well, that's just the way everyone lives. I'm here to tell you tonight, that's not the way everyone lives, and it's not the way you have to live. Well, I got medical expenses. God can take care. Anybody in this room besides me? Is my wife in here? Sorry, you were singing. Looking all cute on the second row. Remember that time in our life when we had a medical expense we couldn't pay? We were trying. You ever pay just a little bit along? Maybe if we'll pay, they'll quit calling. Maybe if we'll pay, they won't turn it in to somebody else who'll call. You know the person who calls and, and says, you have a debt of so much, but if you'll pay it off today, I'll reduce it by, am I the only one that's ever been there? Buy you fry. I remember the day we laid that before God, and I showed, I, here's what I told God, I'm working hard. I'm doing everything I know how to do. This is a debt that's bigger than us. Medical expenses are extreme. They can be extreme. I begin to seek counsel. How many know we ought to seek counsel? I sought counsel. Brother Healy, somebody told me you need to write a letter. Explain how hard you're working. Ask what you can do. I sent the letter that I had prayed over. Probably had some tear stains on it. But I prayed over it. I wasn't trying to get out from, I wasn't trying to squirm out of a responsibility. I was trying to figure out a plan. And I, I sent that to the hospital and got a letter in the mail. They had covered the entire bill, took care of all of it, wrote it off. Anybody else in here had a medical expense, anything like that that's ever been? Look at all the hands all over this room. The only reason I'm saying that is for a, to bear witness in this room and build faith because there are people in this room right now that still think you can never get ahead financially because of old medical bills. And I've come to speak against that lie from hell and tell you that does not have to be the case. That's not in my notes, but I feel it right now in the spirit to tell somebody God can wipe it away. Yes, he can. We can work on this. We can move forward. For people in this room, we don't like to talk about it. You don't want anybody to know about it. But there are people in this room, debt is stealing your joy. It's stealing your time. It's stealing your ability to be generous in your giving. And it is not the will of God. I want you to be frustrated if the enemy has allowed the great American dream to become most families' great American nightmare. Amen. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. Let's talk about being American in 2022 and being up to our, our eyeballs in debt. Being, it's just normal. It's just, it's just normal. But God wants us to be able to give extravagantly to him, then to ourselves, and our future savings? I don't know if we're supposed to plan for the future. Can't show me that. You are. 
We are supposed to plan. We are supposed to be prepared. And then I'm sorry. I know some people think, well, I'm not, I don't believe in this whole leaving for our children. Well, Proverbs 13, 22 said, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Yeah, that's not God. Yeah, well, we've never been a family of money. I think you can be. Brother Carson, I've never known you to be a prosperity preacher. This is not prosperity preaching. This is me saying you don't have to be slave to your finances. You don't have to be, you don't have to be slave to some bill because you're driving a car that costs, that costs more than the average house. I'm going to turn this way. Y'all amen me. Okay. The old statement that we have to live to keep up with the Joneses, we've got to get away from that. We've got to live to keep up with Jesus. How does he want me to spend? How does he want me to live? How does he want me to give? And whether we like it or not, we are teaching. I love what Dave Ramsey says about money. He, he says you ought to live like no one else Live and give like no one else so that you can live and give like no one else later. If you'll do it now, you'll be able to do it later. And I, I tell you, the way we've got to do it is start by tackling debt. Look at the picture of this guy on the, on the screen behind me. His name's Walter Cavanaugh. Walter Cavanaugh and a friend bet a steak dinner in 1972 to see who could accumulate the most credit cards over the course of the next year. At the end of that year, Cavanaugh won the free dinner by applying and obtaining 143 different credit cards. He beat his buddy who ended up with 138. They were giving the cards out like candy back then. Some of y'all remember this. For him, it was only the beginning. Over the next 30 years, Walter Cavanaugh, this guy right here, continued to accumulate as many cards as he could. And today, he proudly holds the Guinness Book of World Record with an astounding 1,497 valid credit cards, all of which amounts to a credit line of $1.7 million. Now, Today it's illegal, but just a couple decades ago, credit card companies used to mail credit cards to anyone and everyone, even if you didn't apply for them. Anyone here ever receive a credit card you didn't apply for? Look at all the hands. You know why? They want you in debt. It wasn't but a handful of decades ago and we were talking about dead people getting cards, babies getting cards. In Chicago, one dog named Alice got a credit card. <laughs> it's easy to get in debt, but it's difficult to get out of debt. It's easy to look like you've got money, but it's tough reality when you don't. Go out to dinner with friends, go home with debt. I'm gonna deliver a bunch of people tonight. Ready? Oh, it's going to be so powerful. I'm about to change your budget. Just the help of the Holy Ghost in me. Stop eating out so much. <laughs> Parents, I'm going to talk to the kids. You don't need to eat out every week. Can we have Taco Bell? No. 
Can we go to Shapiro? No. Wonder what time he's done so we can go to Ale. No. I can feel some of you. I'm going anyway. Going anyway. I'm going. Here's the deal. If you got the cash, fine. If it's budgeted in, fine. But if going out to eat every week is the biggest part of the pie chart on your budget, you've got something called an addiction. You just don't call it that. Most of us give way more to eating out or frivolous money at places like Starbucks on an annual basis than we do to missions. Because making coffee at home is just too hard. Hey, I like, I like a good cup of coffee as much as any. I'm not taking shots. I'm saying, if we do it, though, let's do it with money we've got. If you have to decide between lunch and Starbucks, that's the goofy kind of world we're living in. We're borrowing against ourselves to pay for stuff that we've been convinced we need. To our college students, oh Lord, I want to help you right now. Ramen is still the answer. <laughs> yes, it will help with the freshman 15. Yes. Might end up with the sophomore 70, but I'm telling you right now. That 15 cent packet will save you. Listen, you trying to take her to a restaurant you cannot afford. Ooh, I feel a little something. Don't ask her if she wants to go to Ruth's Chris. Stroll in there. Especially, oh man, is this, you think I should help him? I'm gonna help him. Especially, if you're carrying daddy's credit card. If you go out to eat with someone on a debt and they pull out a card, a credit card to use, see if it's their name on the card. Because the average American has been used to spending money that's not even theirs. Never forget one of the first times my kids, my kids said, well, don't you have anything? I said, I don't have I don't have any cash on me. And they said, you have that card. I won't say which one, but one of them said, let me have that card. I said, I'll give you something. You know how parents, parents can turn anything to a verb, right? I'll card you. Card you. <laughs> oh my. I recognize that there are some people in this place tonight that have zero Consumer debt. Some people here tonight, you have zero credit cards. You have no auto loans. You have no second mortgages. You have no store credit cards. You are the anomaly. And I'm going to tell you what. We applaud you. We salute you. We thank you 
for living this way. Others in this place, you have credit cards, but you use them only for credit and you pay them off every month. We salute you. We honor you. But many of us in this room tonight, now you need to know, this is not from financial counseling. I don't do these kind of counseling sessions. So this, this is just where we are in America and where I am and what I know in the spirit. And I know that Brother Mac, the Lord's trying to take us somewhere and we're about to do a major overhaul. And before I, I, I want us to do anything, and this church is a generous giving church. We're blessed at Calvary Tabernacle. In fact, so much so that some would say, why would you talk about finances here with what the Lord has done over the last 18 months and where things are? We saw the financial report. Why would you do that? Because I'm very interested that not just the church is blessed, but that you're blessed. I want your family. I don't want your family to be handcuffed financially while everyone comes in and shouts and dances around. I don't want your family to be in a place where you can't crawl out because I'm going to tell you right now, there is freedom from debt. There is freedom from debt. But we've got to live within our means. Okay? Here's some of the most current facts about our debt in America as a whole. This is what the great American... Dream looks like overall Americans are carrying a total of $4.52 trillion in consumer debt. That's without mortgages. When you add mortgages, it's just shy of $15 trillion. Now, I know most of us have a mortgage and we're going to have a mortgage until we pay it off. I'm not after mortgage. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about outside of that $4.52 trillion. $930 billion as of October, $930 billion in credit card debt. Right now, there are more than 1.12 billion active credit cards in the United States. That averages, listen, that averages 3.4 per person. Turn to your neighbor and say, how many you got? No. <laughs> there was a little nervous laughter in the room. Did you hear that? Move on, Pastor. This is staggering. One out of seven Americans has at least 10 credit cards. 45% of American households carry a month-to-month -month balance and pay interest and finance charges on money that they've already spent. These Statements remind me of this quote. There are three kinds of people in this country. The haves, the have-nots, and the have-not-paid-for-what-they-haves. <laughs> Too many are stuck with this debt. It weighs on us. It wears us out. It's a burden that we carry around daily, impacting our family. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't just impact our family. It impacts our faith. It impacts our faith, ladies and gentlemen, because if we're not careful, we will see God as a God that does not provide while God is looking at us as a people that will not take control. Do you know that to be a disciple of Christ means we must have discipline? 
And I know the elders in this room and the families, the, the marriages in this room, you're with me right now. We want the younger generation, the newly married and the younger generation raising up. Brother Sleva, we want them to have discipline. Discipline in all areas of their life. I cannot, this is a harsh statement, but I'm the one called to say it. I cannot be a spiritual giant with no harness on my finances. I can't be. Woo, they are so spiritual. At some level, my spirituality has to take into measure how do I treat my money? How do I treat finances? What God has entrusted me with. If debt is the single greatest cause of stress and financial problems, according to Joe Single, then I want to do something about it. Joe Single, he said, I have never had a person say to me, Joe, I got a credit card. I, I ran up a huge balance on it and all my dreams came true. So here's my question tonight. And no one wants to admit that they're in debt. No one wants to admit that they have charges. So I just want to say this tonight. If you're in debt, you're in good company. Is that okay? I know a lot of people in the room right now. It'd be easy for us to just pretend like, well, I don't, I don't know who he's preaching to. You? Me? I'm on a, I'm on a mission. Once a year, <laughs> once a year we try to take a, a beans and rice month. Okay, you're not ready. It's all right. I, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there. Reeling it in. Bringing it in. So here's what I would ask. If you could really be free of debt, if you would really be what this scripture asks for us to do, what lengths would we go to in order to eliminate our debt? Let me tell you what a, a recent survey said. A recent survey of Americans said that over 30% of us would get rid or sell an organ to get rid of debt. Do not Google which ones you can do without. It's not the answer. Survey found out that 38% of us would take place uh, or take part of a questionable health survey to get rid of our debt. That's not the answer. 55, you know we're in America when this yielded result was yielded. 55% of Americans that were surveyed said that they would turn their family's life into a reality TV show if someone would take their debt. God have mercy. I want to tell somebody tonight, there's a biblical answer. We can get out of debt without any of that foolishness. I don't need the devil's answer of how to deal with money that God gave me. I'm going to say that again. I don't need the enemy's answer of how to deal with money that God gave me. There's scripture for it. Turn in your Bible, if you will. The wise writing, Proverbs chapter 6. Are you doing okay? Proverbs 6. That wasn't all of you, but it was enough to keep going. 
Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read it from a little translation. I'm going to read it from the NIV again, just trying to bring a little clarity to the text. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, or that is you have debt, if you have shaken hands and pledged for stranger, you've been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. Verse 3, so do this, my son, to free yourself since you've fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Again, I'm going to pause. I'm going to say this again. The enemy wants you trapped. If he can have you trapped in debt, then that, that snared situation, that debt has to become the thing. It's hard to pray without thinking about debt. It's hard to live without thinking about debt. It's hard to be generous without thinking about debt. Verse 6, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Man, you're being awful tough. When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. What's the outcome? Poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. The whole point of the writer of Proverbs here, he's, he's trying to make this point. If you want to get out of debt, if you don't want to be subject to your neighbor and you don't want to be servant or slave to that neighbor, you're going to have to get frustrated, angry, focused, do whatever it takes. I want to tell you this. I said it on Sunday night and it was a preemptive setup. But we are living in a world that has become woefully too comfortable to not work. What are you going to do? I'm going to sit home and get a check. I know this old school. I'm just going to let it marinate. Just, just like a steak I put in, I'm just going to let it marinate. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not, the, that's not the will of God for us. We believe in hard work. Do I believe God can supply financial? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think he rewards laziness. He never has and he never will. We sing that. He's never lost a battle. But I can show you time after time too, the ones he did win were the ones where people were willing to fight and get involved and say, we need you to take over here. Well, why would I want to work when I can make more to stay home? You better hear me right now. It'll cost you more in the long run. It'll cost your family in the long run. I know this isn't good preaching, but I, man, I, I, I feel like it's good teaching. We have got to get a mind to work. Nudge your neighbor. Tell them we got to work. We got to work. We've got to work. You college kids, you hear me right now. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to work. Best thing you could do is get you a good job while you're at school. Yeah, I'm serious. 
gives you a good job, not a silly job that's going to make you live ridiculous. A good job that you can handle. Get you a good job and live right. You know that if we would eliminate debt, we could live different. How many know we could live different? I, I'm, I'm on a, my wife and I had this conversation the other day. I'm a, I'd like to just downsize. I'm about to send one to college. I said, we can have some, I love you. I don't mean it like that, but <laughs> smaller house. You know, when I went to college, when I came home, first time I came home, you've heard me tell this story. First time I came home to visit, I walked into my bedroom. My bed was gone. I'm from a loving family. I thought. They're going to call me later. I'm in trouble. I know they love me. I walked in. They had transformed the whole room. The room was, this is weird. It was a doll room. My mom had all these like antique, you know what I'm talking about? These ant, like, it was creepy. I walked in the room. I said, I yelled from the top of the stairs. I said, mom. She said, that's not your room anymore. Where do I go? You're down the hall. The devil is a liar. Move my room. How many know, I believe you should live in a nice house. I really do. I believe you should live in a nice home. But I do not think that the home you live in should be the noose around your neck. I wish everybody in this place could drive a nice car. I'm blessed. This church takes care. You're, you're so good to us. I know this is raw and transparent. You're so good to us. Take care of us. But the truth is, if I needed to, it's just me. If I needed to drive a, a, a truck that had rust on the side and it got me real good from point A to point B, but it didn't have to feel like I was dragging a weight around every day, I had a conversation with somebody not long after I got here and we were talking about this, I said, God has blessed our finances, but we worked really hard. Early, in our early years of marriage, somebody, somebody came to us and this is basically what they said. They cut through all the fat. How many know we need those people that have cut through all the fat? They got real close right up to us and said, well, you're an idiot. And your spending is really dumb. And the best thing you could do is start trying to honor God with your finances more than honor your wardrobe. You know, it changed my life when somebody told me the word budget. Somebody told me that I did not have to live to impress people. If I would live to impress God, he would take care of everything. And when I started doing, here's what shocked me. When I started living that way for an extended period of time, it's amazing. I always had money to buy stuff. Brother Faulkner, I always had money to buy stuff. And never, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not apologetic when I have cash to buy something. I'm his kid. I'm his kid. I'm not apologetic about that. Some of the deals that God has given us and things that, that he's put in our life. Listen to me. Guys, when I came to college, I didn't, I didn't know. I knew nothing. That's how I talk. I knew nothing. Okay. I didn't know anything, Brother Anderson, about how to, how to live or how to budget or how to finance or how to. I didn't know anything. 
And so in my early years, somebody had to come and talk very blunt to me and talk very, there's elders in this room right now that are extremely blessed. There's middle-aged families in this room that are extremely well off financially, but every one of them would tell you it's been God. It's been God that's given the increase when we trust him with our finances. How many remember the old statement that we used to say, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. And that's what I have found time and time again is that I cannot outgive God. So somebody came and talked to us very clear and we changed our ways. Why? Why did we change the way that we were giving so that our giving could please him? Why did I care what my neighbor thought about my vehicle? Well, okay. We got to attack debt. We've got to eliminate it. Somebody say we've got to eliminate it. So what does the scripture say here in Proverbs? Verse three says we've got to free ourselves, even to the point of exhaustion. I think we got to work to exhaustion sometimes. I know people here that have two and three jobs. I'm going to tell you right now, if you have two or three jobs so that you can live high, I'm not for it. But if you have two or three jobs because you're exhausting and getting rid of debt, I applaud it. As long as you can be thankful to the things of God, the Hebrew language there says even to throw yourself down, to do whatever it takes. It's powerful imagery here. We've got to get to a place of humility. What do we have to do? We cannot waste our time. We've got to be intentional. So the first thing is we've got to humble ourselves. Yes, we do. We've got to humble ourselves. Number two is we've got to learn how to develop a frugal lifestyle. Ooh. That's not, a, by the way, that's not a curse word. Frugal is not a curse word. Okay? That's a good word. Frugal does not mean cheap. I'm losing some of you. I don't want to lose you. Frugal doesn't mean cheap. We need to live within our means. Why? I don't want to come to a place where God, what do I do if I have a service where God impresses on my heart to give something to global missions or to North American missions or to give to a college student or to give to a young married couple? What do I do if my first thought is, but I have too much debt to do it? That's being ensnared. Young marriages, young married couples, I'm talking to you right now. You do not need to acquire in the first five years of marriage what your parents took 35 years to get to. I need some adults to applaud that right now. <laughs> I've talked to so many young couples. When they tell me the house they're buying, my, my jaw. I got one. <laughs> mm. Not here. It's not here. One young couple that had invited us to their house. When I went to their house, I felt like I was walking around the elephant. I was like, what do you make? Where do you work? I didn't even know you played the lottery. Living. You think I was shocked when they called me for marriage advice? Think I was shocked when their intimacy was gone? I'm pastoring right now. We don't need to live up 
to some American dream outside of our means. But how many know that's what we're sold? That's what our young marriages are sold. Young marriages don't need a big, get you a little house you can afford. Or God forbid, get you an apartment. How many, how many of you in here right now, some of you are successful. I need to talk to my elders for a minute. I need some witness in this room right now. How many of you ever, you look back at how pitiful, when you think about where you first lived. Anybody live somewhere pitiful? I mean, I, come on, some of y'all remember. When you needed new carpet, you bought a new towel. You didn't need, it was small. Walked in the front door, you were in the backyard. It was little. Right? But isn't it amazing that some of the best memories of your life Some of you remember driving around that jalopy? People in this room, you owned a Yugo? You were that person behind the wheel. Some of you owned station wagon when wood on the side was cool. I remember, I remember being young and married and having kids we couldn't afford. Getting a first minivan, I felt like all masculinity was cashed in. I'm not kidding. I sat in the, I sat in the parking lot, my wife and I, when we, remember when we got rid of that SUV? She loved the SUV more than I did. Finally got rid of that SUV in the parking lot. I sat, I stood there and looked at it. It was one of those great crossroads of life. That whole year, the proudest day of that whole year after I got that minivan, I passed a yellow Lamborghini in that minivan one day on the highway. That was the proudest day of that whole year. <laughs> Told everybody I knew. <laughs> Sports car, well, never mind. But you've been there. You've been in one of those places. I look back at, at times like that where that person had a tough conversation with us. And that's why we got rid of what we had. And we went to that ugly little minivan with the sliding doors. No remote doors. Now the electric door. No. We had the doors that you could decapitate a person with. You know what I'm talking about. Scared to death that you were going to lose a limb getting in and out of <laughs> Jesus, Emma. But isn't it funny how you look back at some of those early years and the greatest memories you've got? Why? Because the money wasn't your happiness, it was the family that was happiness. And it's still the truth. Money cannot buy you happiness. Things cannot buy us joy. That's an American dream. And it's a lie. The only one that gives joy is God. The only one that gives peace is the Lord. Amen. Somebody shout amen. I say all that to say, if you're in a little car that is reliable and you don't owe anything on it, keep driving it. Keep driving. I'm about to get rid of it. Why? 
I don't know. I'm to the place in my life things are just changing. I don't, I don't like bills. I don't like bills. I'm going to say it again. Somebody needs to hear it. I don't like bills. You know what I want us to be? A debt-free church. I know I'm not yelling. I know I'm not running around. But that's as biblical as anything I've ever said across this pulpit. Because the borrower is slave to the living. And I thank God for our bank. I love our bank, the people that we've worked with and that we rework. I thank God for them. But I'm, I want to I wanna burn that note. Why? Because I want to give more to missions. You know what I want to do? I'm just going to tell you right now. Why I'm preaching this to you. Why I'm teaching this to us. It's because I want to be at the place where when we want to start a church in a city around Indianapolis that has no apostolic witness, we don't have to struggle with how will we do it. Wouldn't it be amazing to say, I don't know how we'll do it. I'll just write a check. You know, the average person here doesn't realize the amount of debt that we still have. And this church has been faithful and we're giving towards it. But God's going to help us as a church to retire our debt and get out from under every single debt. He's going to do it in our families and he's going to do it for us as a church. Somebody say, I want to attack all my debt. Okay. So here's how we have to do it. I'll draw quickly or somewhat quickly. To a close. Number one, if you want to take notes, this one is really good. So powerful. I wish some of you had a hat on so you wouldn't lose your head. Number one, stop going in debt. No, this is going to be hard for some of you. I know your New Year's resolution was to lose weight. I'm going to help you learn. I'm going to help you lose seven ounces. Go home and cut that card up. Or if you're one in seven that's got 10, go home and cut most of them up. Should say all of them. The day of paying for things with debt must be over. Ladies and gentlemen of the king. Kingdom work is a commitment to buying things that we can actually afford. Tried to consult scripture. Tried to consult what my grandma would want me to do. Tried to consult what that sweet person who talked so plain to me told me. And I've even brought Dave Ramsey in the mix. Number two. Save $1,000 fast. Some of you think I can't do $1,000 fast. You can. The average person in this room can save a 1000 Now, for some of you, you're thinking $1,000. For some of you, you're at a different place and that's nothing. But I would tell you, there's a lot of people in this room that are like most Americans in North America right now. According to the Federal Reserve, listen to this, 39% of Americans do not have the cash on hand to cover a 400 
dollar emergency. That's not in a foreign country. That's America. That's not the will of God. More than half of households could not live without their income for one month. It's not the will of God. I don't know where I'd find the money. You got three large screens. Oh, I'm meddling. Okay. Okay, man, it got quiet. It was so quiet you could hear a mice, hear a mouse licking ice in the back row. I, I move on here. I, they would say that unless you have actual savings to turn to when there is an emergency, that you'll always continue to go into debt. Now listen, once you raise that $1,000, leave it alone. $1,000 is not for your Sunday night ale addiction. <laughs> Everybody, I got several people tonight afterwards that were like, Should, are we supposed to go to ale or we're not supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? Go, go, unless you're swiping a credit card, go home. We'll just pull through Dairy Queen. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, okay. Number three. I'm going to help everybody in the room. I'm just in this book right here. Tithe. Tithe and give. My wife is so funny. My kids get anything, any kind of job. I'm sorry, I'm pointing you out twice tonight. Mom, if they do anything for work, any kind of a job, my wife, without shame. Pay your tithes? Did you pay your tithes on it? Why? Because in our house, we know that blessing. Here's the kind of life I want to live. I want to live the kind of life that if anybody knew what I gave to the kingdom, I'd never have to be embarrassed. Most of all, the Lord. Tithings and offerings. That's number three. Number four, attack your debt. Go after it. Rank your debts from smallest to largest. Oh, pastor, that's not preaching. Yes, it is. Attack your debt. The smallest. One of the worst mistakes anybody can make is think you're going to just chip away at the big debt first. Find that one debt. Do you a free credit report. Find that one debt that's $47.32 and kill that sucker. And then puff your chest out of it. Because you've started the process. Hey, if you get comfortable killing little giants, you'll be able to kill big ones. Yes, you will. Rank them. Work on the debt snowball. You're going to be able to learn more about that coming up at the end of the month. I'm going to tell you about that here in just a minute too. Number five, this is a tough one for a lot of people. But if you're taking notes, it's important. Hope you are. Number five, create a monthly budget. A monthly budget. John Maxwell says a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. <laughs> where did all the money go? You ate it. <laughs> Have you? Okay, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. If you own a restaurant, we're coming. I'm. We're coming. I'm gonna. We listen. We eat out our share. 
but it's budgeted. Okay. You ever paid attention to what you pay for a soft drink at a restaurant? We used to go, yeah, oh, I feel, you feel that? You feel that holy contention in the room? Walking in the, walking in the restaurant, brother, have four kids, you, Let grandpa pay. <laughs> Everybody, we walk in. The waiter walks over. What do we have in it? Water. How many parents in this room has ever said this line? Do drinks come with the kid's meal? They don't. Water. They're having water. Are you sure? We're very sure. Very sure. Why? With four kids? Say, so, oh, pastor, you're being cheap. No, I'm not, because number one, they probably don't need to put that in their body anyway. That's another topic. But number two, why would we pay for bubbly sugar? $15 of the meal is, is for a two liter that I could have bought for $275. Who's the dummy now? Create a monthly budget. Find out where your money is going. Even if you, listen, even if you make great money. I hope, you, I hope you're sitting here and you're a multimillionaire. I hope you are. But everyone needs to be able to answer God by saying, I'm accountable to where the funds are going. Hear me right now, even if you make good money, a lack of worry cannot create a lack of accountability. We are stewards of the money that God has entrusted us with. We've got to make a monthly budget. And I've heard a lot of people tell me, well, we don't, we don't do monthly budget. I don't know how. You can go to an app like every dollar. There's too many. Let's talk about the American dream. I want an iPhone. I want an iPhone. No. Okay, here we go. I'm in, I'm in so deep anyway. I got me, some people going from laughter to anger, all within. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that was funny, that's not. Okay? Sorry, y'all plug your ears if you need to. They don't need every latest gadget. Actually, I'm going to talk to you and let them listen. You don't need a $1,000 phones that they got to spend the next three years paying monthly on. Here's my, here's, my, here's my goal for our teenagers, okay? You want a phone? Cut lawns until you can pay for it. Come on now. Everybody say calm down. Come on, tell me, calm down. Come on, Joel. I know your thing. I see you looking at me. Calm down. I was about to get one. Listen. Listen right now. There's a difference between needs and wants. Different between needs and wants. And the worst thing we could do for you, and I know it's awkward because I'm a dad and a pastor, but I'm going to talk, and this is normal for my house. I want you to hear it. Worst thing we can do for you is raise you to feel like you're entitled. Entitled to things that you are not. It's the truth. Brother Fridley, I, that's, isn't that true? It's good preaching, isn't it? It's harsh, though. 
And as a parent, it's tough. It's tough not to, because we love them. I love them. I love them. I do. And I don't ever want to embarrass them. I don't ever want to make, I love them. But I love them enough to say no. No. My kids can tell you there have been plenty of times they've thought you're being too hard. Being too, too tough on us. I don't care. We, we're, I, I, you know I don't do this. I'm not picking. We talked about work today, didn't we? I asked him, working this week? You working this week? And it was right after the conversation about gas money. You working this week? And then we started talking about next year going into college, and I asked him that question. What are you going to do for a job? I want them thinking that way. Why? Oh, Pastor Carson, don't you have the money just to give to them? No. I don't. Even if I do, I don't. Brother Faulkner, I want them to know how to work. I want them to know. Brother Matthews, I want our kids to know how to work. Here's what I'm convinced of. Brother Ingram, I'm convinced of this. Work with our young kids. All, young kids, older kids, I'm convinced of this. If we hand them everything physically and financially, and we do not teach them to work for what they have, we are actually hurting them spiritually. We are hurting them spiritually. Because if we're not careful, we walk in here and we just expect God to be here. We just think God will do it. And if we don't have a lifestyle of work, we will get into an entitlement mentality that affects us not only physically, but it will affect us financially. It will affect us mentally. It will affect us spiritually. How does a budget come into play? I need to budget where my money is going so that I am not concerned or overwhelmed by the fact that I cannot pay my house payment. I can't pay my house payment because I, I, I ate it away or I played it away. I hope you can be, a, man, I'm meddling. I hope, I feel like I'm doing okay. I, I, I hope you can be a member at the country club. Okay. But if you can't, who cares? Maybe you got to go one year to get debt under control. I'm going to tell you right now. If it's what you have to do to not be a slave to the lender, it's worthy. It's worthy. So I got to build a budget. I've got to take that. I've got to apply that. How do I build a budget? There's great tools again online. You can Google that. Ask Dr. Google. He'll tell you all about it. One of the easiest ways to comprehend it is I've got to figure out how much money is coming in, how much money is going out. We had that early time, didn't we? We sat down to do that one time after we had that tough conversation. Brother Lopez, we sat down to build a budget and I found out there's more going out. And I wonder why I'm frustrated. There's more supposed to be going out than there is coming in. You know what, Brother Turner? Because I had a bunch of friends living this way. Hey, it's not fair. And because someone was willing to look at me and say, you're going to be a slave to that until you get rid of that pride. Till you change the way you're living. Set me on a different trajectory over the last 20 years. 
I'm almost done. I said it earlier. Here's where I, I say it again, number six. And this is a expression. You don't have to do this. But when I said live on beans and rice, I meant it on some level. Who's ever, who's ever done what, what we've done before and thrown away stuff at home you should have ate before it went bad? Come on, where are the parents at? Where are the, where are the people in this room right now? Who hates leftovers? Poll in the crowd. Hate the leftovers. There were some faces in here like, don't go there. Not doing the leftovers. Okay, there's an answer to that, okay? A, get over it. <laughs> or B, don't cook so much the first time. The recipe, I had to make this much. Do the math. Phone a friend. Reduce it. I know. I know. I know that most of us are past this. But if you really want to attack it, I'm talking to some, I'm talking to some young marrieds. I'm talking to some college students, but I'm also talking to some married couples right now that need to hear me right now. It, it'd be okay to have hot dogs. Okay? It'd be okay to have PBJ. I'm not talking about for the rest of your life. You know, it would be shocking for a lot of people in the room, especially people that are struggling with frivolous debt. It would be shocking what would happen, what trajectory could be reset if we would take one month and not eat out all month and rechain. How many, has anybody in here besides me ever done this challenge? You've ever done this? You, you know, not many of us, so okay. No wonder I feel the pulse of the crowd right now like... Need to move on, buddy. <laughs> College students, young married couples, whatever it takes to reduce it. So whether it's beans and rice, whether it's PBJ, whether it's a little soup that you picked up, I'm going to tell you part of it. I'm going to help some of you right now. You're not too good to shop at Aldi's. Save a lot can be your friend. We only shop at Whole Foods. Well, you're in another level. You're in another level. And I'm glad for you. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm glad for you. But when you're 20 years old, okay. I'm not preaching to people who can afford it. I'm preaching to people that like the prestige. I only buy organic from Whole Foods. You need to get an organic brain. And walk out and go get something you can afford. Brother Mack, am I telling the truth? I'm telling the truth right now. I need an amen on this right now. People looking at you snooty like, ugh. Where'd you buy those? It doesn't matter. I bought them. I bought them. You didn't buy. Don't complain. Come on, parents. You don't have to. Those aren't Doritos. What are, what are cheese triangles? 
What? <laughs> Buy your own chips. I'm going to stop. Oh man, I'd love to tell who this person is, but I won't. I bought some, I bought some off-brand cereal. How many know the, you know what I'm talking about when I say off-brand cereal? The kind you got to buy in a bag. You know what I'm talking about. The kind, the kind you need a wheelbarrow to take out. <laughs> I bought, yeah, yeah. Big old bag of it. And, and it was the it was the imitation for fruity pebbles. And I wanted some fruity pebbles. I wanted a lot of fruity pebbles. But I mm, I feel a witness in the room. Hey. And I saw that bag. It was giant. It was like a bean bag full of. Fruity Pebbles, and it was called Dino Bites or something. Oh, I get. Hey! And I'll never forget some 20 year old dude looked at me and said, No one is so poor. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I about laid hands on him suddenly. <laughs> no one is so poor that they have to buy imitation cereal. To which I said, where's your job? Oh, you don't have a job? Bye-bye. <laughs> you don't even have a job and want to make fun of what I buy. Hey, I'm not going to be handcuffed by their perception. You know what I did? I went home and made me a big old bowl of dino bites. Put me a back belt on, lifted that thing up. Now I'm trying to have fun, but it's a spiritual thing to be debt free. Stand with me in this room. <laughs> I don't know if you have a song that works with dino bites. I don't, I don't think you do. Here's the last thing. If you're keeping track and taking notes, number eight and final thing. Pray for creativity and wisdom. You ever see one of those new, one of those all new, you know who you are, infomercial people. One of those all new gadgets that come out or you walking through the store and you see it and you're like, why didn't I think of that? Somebody's a multimillionaire because they thought of that. I know I don't have a lot, but surely I got enough to think of. Think of that. We got people in this room that hold patents. I want everybody in here to hear me real clear. Doesn't matter if you grew up sleeping on dirt floors. Doesn't matter if you grew up in a trailer where the wind would come through the sides. You've got a father. 
He is a father of abundance. He is a God of abundance. Nobody could say that while I've talked about money or preached about money, that I've said anything about blabbing and grabbing, any kind of a weird prosperity doctrine. I'm not preaching that at all. I'm preaching this. If you'll work hard, if you'll not allow mammon, this love for money, the love of money is that root. How many know it? It really is. If we'll turn from those things, and we'll work hard and we'll pray for creativity. We'll pray for wisdom. Well, I want to pray for hard work. We'll pray for strength, but hard work's on you. I want to pray for somebody else to do the job for me. Doesn't work that way. God, give me the health to be a hard worker. I'm going to ask us to do something right now. Didn't plan on any aisle running tonight. Not when we're talking about the elephant in the room. For some, this applies more than others. But I don't want it to be awkward for anybody in this room. I'm asking everyone, if you will, to close your eyes. And if you're willing, I want you to lift your hands. And I want us to repent. If we've ever allowed ourselves to get caught up in this concept of the great American dream. God, I want you to forgive me for thinking that debt is just normal and okay. I want you to forgive me if I've been living beyond my means. I want you to forgive me, oh God, if there's things in my heart or my mind or any part of my ego that's got me trying to live in a way to impress people or to live according to some American culture or earthly culture. I want everybody in this room right now to begin thanking God for what he's given you. Let's thank him for what he's given us. Come on, if you've got a family, you need to thank God for your family. Even if you don't love your job, if you've got a job, thank you, God, for my job. Thank you, God, for employment. Come on, somebody thank Him for your home. Thank you for the, for the clothes on my potty. Thank you, God, that I got a roof over my head. Forgive me if I've ever acted entitled like you owe it to me. I'm sorry. Thank you for the car that I drive. Thank you for the vehicle that you've given me. I'm talking to somebody right now so specific that's been having a tough time at work. I want you to begin to thank God for your job right now. Oh, I feel it so strong right now. You've been frustrated. I want you to begin to thank God that you've got work. God wants you to know you'd be more frustrated if you didn't have employment. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my business.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the shoes on my feet. Thank you for the watch on my wrist. 